For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you know about these stories? In 1933, Huey Long invented a holiday to prevent a bank from collapsing. In 1960, years before he was assassinated, someone tried to kill JFK with a car bomb. And in 2014, remember this, there was a whole news cycle about President Obama's tan suit. On the podcast This Day in Esoteric Political History, we talk about the forgotten stories that may teach us a lot about the very strange moment we're living in right now. Check it out. This Day in Esoteric Political History from Radiotopia. Mail's here, mail's in, don't miss it. It's the mail. Thank you, mailbox. Yeah, welcome. I'm Madison Malone-Kircher. And I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. (laughs) (laughs) It's mail day. It is. Today's episode, it's about mail, it's about y'all, but it's also about us. Wait, Rachel, What? It's a mailbag episode. <laughs> We're going to be answering their questions. So it's about them, but more, most importantly, it's about us flexing our knowledge of the internet. We're going to be answering some burning questions about the internet to the very best of our abilities. Uh, would just like to take a moment to be sappy, get a little tearful. <laughs> get out my Kleenex and say, we truly have some of the best listeners around. You guys continue to send us incredibly thoughtful questions and feedback and concerns, mostly that I'm torturing (laughs) Rachel with my puns. She's fine. (laughs) Rachel, blink twice to indicate you're fine. She blinked. It's fine, guys. I promise. I'm being told by our producer that I must blink. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But seriously, thank you all. Uh, We love you. Keep sending us this shit. So, As you maybe know, if you're a longtime ICYMI listener, uh, occasionally we do a bit called Red Receipts where we uh, read your emails and your DMs and we get into your questions. Uh, Today we have read many of them. So that's the whole episode. It's a mega Red Receipt episode. I want to see the receipts. It is a mega Read Receipt episode. You're right. Did I stutter? I did not. You did say it incorrectly, though. (laughs) At any rate, first up, we have a question from listener Emily. Hi, folks. Listening to the show uh, named after an abbreviation made me think of another abbreviation we need in the world. Maybe it already exists and I don't know about it because I'm not that online. Um, But the Internet would be nicer if you could easily say... That's not my experience, but I'm glad for you. I love this because Emily is entirely correct. We do need some kind of signifier for that because I feel like it's such a a, a predominant feeling on the internet. And it would make the internet a nicer place if you were like, love that for you, but not for me. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think it already exists in the form of love that for you. 
Like that's a lot shorter than what Emily proposes as that's not my experience, what I'm so glad for you, which would be T-N-M-E-B-I-S, glad, F-Y. Tenemibiskifi. Mm-hmm. Doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. I feel like, honestly, I feel like love that for you can get a little sarcastic, but I do think that it gets the point. Maybe have you have you seen YMMV? Your mileage may vary. That's kind of in the same vein for me sometimes. If I'm like recommending something and I'm just like, this works for me, it might not for you. All right, I like that. I think we can we can declare that the winner. Your mileage may vary. Your mileage may vary. Who do we have next? I think we have Christine next. So what I want to know is, do the different colors of emoji hearts signify anything? I typically use the red heart because that's a classic, or the pink because that's also kind of a classic. Um, I also really like the color blue, so sometimes I'll throw in a blue heart there. But my question is essentially, are uh, heart emoji colors the new language of flowers or the new language of fans where, like, by choosing one color, you're subtly saying something also. Christine, we actually crowdsourced this one. So we asked our colleagues if they had thoughts, feelings, heartfelt feelings, if you will, about the meaning of the various different color emoji hearts. Um, um, What we learned is your mileage may vary. (laughs) (laughs) Really bringing it home. I really am. I'm just, we're weaving it all together today. One of our colleagues says that they don't care what heart they use, except they avoid using the red one because they don't want people to get the wrong idea. Which is funny because there's another one who said anything other than red feels like, oh, damn, okay, it's like that. Except the pink heart series, which includes sparkle hearts. My personal favorite, which is the two pink hearts where one is smaller. I use that for everything. And then the revolving hearts. We have one colleague who never uses the white heart because they think it's low-key racist. Also hilarious because Ariana Grande exclusively uses the white heart. So some people think it's racist. Some people just think it means you like some bops. It's an aesthetic choice (laughs) to like the bops. I feel like situationally, though, I do use specific different color hearts for different things. What do you mean? Like, for example, if you post on Instagram that your grandma has died... I will use the black hearts. Rip to your grandma. I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> wow. Um, this is also apparently a thing our colleagues do. Somebody uses the purple for sincere affection or sympathy. Another one uses the blue heart when something bad happens to a friend. There was actually a piece in Cosmo this August about the different meanings of the hearts. And it uh, it spends a lot of time going heart by heart. Uh, but... We're calling bullshit. Use use whatever heart you want to use. Yeah, I don't believe that the blue hearts have bro energy. But what I do believe is that we can all make our own meaning of whatever the fuck we want. So, Christine, you're good. Use whatever the fuck you want. Follow your heart's desire. Next, we're going to hear from our listener, Kelsey. Hi, ICYMI team. So I love your show and I finally have a TikTok trend that I need your help explaining. So there seems to be this like TikTok genre of teenage boys filming themselves acting out 
bad boy scenarios, like pretending to get arrested or getting in fights, but the whole time they're making very intense eye contact with the camera. And why are they filming these videos? Who is the target audience? Are they trying to put together an acting reel or something? And also, I would like the record to show that I do not actually get the originals on my feed, it's really just the reactions. So, I don't know what that says about me as a person, but hopefully something good. You only getting the reactions on your feed definitely says something good about you and that TikTok knows that you don't actually care about these videos, but you like seeing people make fun of them, which is really kind of the best place to be with this specific genre, in my personal opinion. <laughs> I think you planted this question, Rachel, because I know you happen to have a mocking affinity for this TikTok genre. <laughs> so I think you should firstly describe what we're talking about here. Describe a, a sort of classic TikTok in this genre. Yes. Uh, first, I do want to play the TikTok that Kelsey specifically mentioned. There's only going to be like a, a a song, I believe. There's never any real audio to these videos. They're acting with their <laughs> eyes. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they're doing. <laughs> I saw So what's going on beneath that uh, slow down bop? So in this video that Kelsey has sent us, on the right-hand side, there is a boy. He is getting slammed against a wall by an undisclosed person who is off camera. And as he turns to get arrested, like his arms are getting pinned behind his back, he looks straight into the camera and makes this kind of uh, he, he smirks, like, in the way that I think romance writers describe a smirk. And on the right-hand side is someone reacting, and it's... <laughs> they just have their hands over their eyes, just like, what the fuck is going on here? And that's the exact same feeling that I have. This is part of a trend, a huge trend, a huge genre of TikToks. And they're pretty much all under the kind of heading of acting POVs, point of views. And I personally think they are a scourge, but they are very much a thing. You can, in fact, go to the POV acting hashtag if you want to uh, in enjoy these. Find inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're fine. Yeah, for inspiration for what, I'm not sure. I'm not going to say that some of these aren't good. Like, there are good actors on TikTok, but I quite literally cannot get over the dissonance of imagining walking in on someone filming one of these. And so I just laugh every time I see them. But Madison, I don't, I feel like this is probably going to expose our generational gap. But do you remember the concept of imagines? I swear to God, if you make me think about <laughs> Tumblr right now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But I don't know if they were just a Tumblr thing. They might have been like a Wattpad thing as they well. They were a Wattpad thing, right? Yeah, That's like, yeah. imagine you fuck Harry Styles in your college dorm room. Yeah, basically. Well, it's not going to say Harry Styles. It's like, it's going to say, imagine if you fucked X, Y, and Z in, a, in your college dorm room. And you can insert anybody that you want. Acting POVs fall into the same kind of genre for me in that they're self-insert. And so they all start with a prompt. The prompt for the video that Kelsey sent us is, I believe, along the lines of, imagine you get arrested and then make eye contact with your crush as you're getting hauled away. Which, sure. And then there's some, like, 
the day you found out your little sister is dating the bad boy. Or when you turn 18, you see through your soulmate's eyes, but yours is different. And these are all set to kind of slowed down bobs, like the one we just heard, that are very dramatic. And it all involves kind of extensive eye contact with the camera. And in some ways, it is basically an acting reel. But in most ways, it is just um, stereotypically attractive white people acting to a camera to their loving and adoring fans who love them because they are stereotypically attractive white people. That is quite literally most of the premise. And that is on TikTok. So, yeah, I'm sorry to say this is a thing, Kelsey. What is the motivation to film these? Clout. Who's the target audience? Teen girls. Are they trying to put together their acting reel? Maybe. Aren't we all? Yeah. (laughs) There's also a cottage industry, as you have encountered, of people making fun of these. They're also entirely uh, non-ironic duets. So, yeah, acting POV. Very much a TikTok trend. I don't like it. I'm sorry if you do. Next up, we have a question from at Guavaria, who asks, what happened to the cinnamon toast shrimp guy? At Guavaria, that is a great question. So Jensen Karp, uh, we emailed him. He did not respond. Uh, we, sh- we should note that his wife did literally just have a baby, so the family's probably busy. But what we can tell you is that Jensen Karp has not tweeted since March 24th when he shared, no real update, and I'm not posting about this bullshit all day again. Waiting for the envelope I agreed on from General Mills to send them back pieces and some of a shrimp tail will leave home for DNA testing at noon. They grow up so fast. So that was the last we heard publicly from Jensen Karp, who, this this day on the internet feels like 7,000 lifetimes ago, this man would not stop tweeting, would not stop talking about the shrimp. Yes, I remember. (laughs) His podcast, Talk Ain't Cheap, which is a show about Cameo, the platform where you can buy celebrities to make videos for you. They dropped their last episode in mid-April, about two weeks after that tweet, which to me feels like they maybe had like already taped those and then decided to call it a day. Again, for those of you following along at home, this is a story about a man named Jensen Karp who found shrimp tails in his box of cereal and is married to a woman named Danielle Fishel. Danielle Fishel. Hmm... I feel like where we should close the story, which is a non-story, and that we've got nothing new for you other than the shrimp man has been just very quiet, is that in case you only heard half the saga, the shrimp guy clammed up after a number of women came forward detailing some allegedly disgusting behavior from Carp, including at least uh, one ex-girlfriend who did not have very positive things to say about him. Honestly, in terms of terrible men, him shutting up and going away, I appreciate it. (laughs) Doing the bare minimum. The bar is on the floor. The bar is on the floor. I mean, in terms of you want to know if they were shrimp or not, I firmly believe, like, those were shrimp. What I don't know is if I actually believe that they came out of the box of General Mills Cinnamon Toast Crunch, or if they were not placed there by, say, an internet provocateur with a finely honed knack for virality. That just seems like so much work. Like, where do you even think of that idea? But also, how would you even know that it would go viral? You know, like, what if... I just feel like there's so much gambling involved. But going viral is just throwing spaghetti against the internet wall until something sticks. This one's stuck in the shape of a shrimp. 
Well, we've got cinnamon, we've got shrimp, we've got spaghetti, and we've got a wall. After the break, we'll be back with more nouns uh, and even more (laughs) answers to your burning internet questions. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cash back isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back, and there are no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Let's take a journey back to 2003. Canadian teen sensation Avril Lavigne was topping the charts and turning the music industry upside down. But what if I told you that the Avril Lavigne we know and love might not be the same Avril? What? Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back with more questions, more read receipts. The doctor's in. Next up, we have a question from at Ozzy Myers. Hey, Madison and Rachel, I just bumped into the hashtag younger self and um, God, it had me crying in like 30 seconds. The music is terrible, but the stories are great. Um, am I stupid to assume these are real people with real stories? Are, are these new and I've just been missing it? What's up with that? I love this question because when do we ever get to talk about something that's actually wholesome on this show? We did talk about book talk, though, that did devolve into Aliens of the Breeding Kink, which I find very wholesome. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a relatively new trend in the life cycle of TikTok. Um, Most of them are set to the same song by a singer named November Ultra. We'll play a little bit for you here, but like what we were describing with those POV videos, all the action is being acted out either by the person on screen or via captioning on screen so we'll we'll explain but you should hear the song to put you in the mood it's emotional (laughs) it's been used in like some 80,000 videos But the Younger Self hashtag itself has about 419 million videos. So what Ozzy's picking up on here is a very big trend. What is going on on screen 
underneath this emotional terrorist of a song is a person playing themselves in the present, having a conversation with themselves in the past, their younger self. So pretend you're talking to you at 12 years old and 12 year old you turns and goes, so do we ever like move to New York City? And adult you goes, yes. And they go, do we love it? And adult you goes, no, you are actually really miserable. 10 year old you goes, what? And adult you goes, but then you figure out where you're supposed to be and you move somewhere else and you're really happy. And then both young you and old you just cry. Either real tears, fake like visine tears, or some people just use a filter that appears to make them cry. I don't think it is at all stupid to assume that these are real people with real stories. I would honestly say that an overwhelming majority of them are real. Like, I would put a number at like 97%. Totally, because there's a big economy on TikTok for like emotional oversharing with strangers, which is exactly what this is. I think the brand that I get a lot of and enjoy immensely is there's a lot of like queer joy coming out stories baked into these, you know, like talking to your closeted 10-year-old self living in a small Mm. town, being like, do we ever do it? Do I fall in love? Like, do I marry a man and hate myself for the rest of my days? Uh, Many, many questions I would have asked me at 30 if uh, if given the TikTok opportunity. Uh, And I find them really delightful. It's probably one of the most wholesome trends I've seen on TikTok recently. I will say that because of, you know, the kind of Self-narrativizing can be an earnest sport, which means that it inevitably can end up being a little bit cringy sometimes. But I love it. I love corny shit. And this is objectively corny. All right. Our next question comes from at A Bear Hall. I found myself on the Chernobyl side of TikTok. Like many people, I watched the HBO series on the Chernobyl explosion and have also listened to some podcasts, audiobooks about it. Um, But that was a few years ago. And somehow I managed to find myself on Chernobyl TikTok. How did I get here? And can I really take a tour of the Chernobyl exclusion zone? I'm going to put a bear hole on blast here and say, uh, Hey, Al, how you doing? Allie was my sorority little and uh, college roommate. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So here's the thing. Disaster tourism is 120% a thing funded by, let's say, rich, white, dumb people the world over who go to places where often bad things have happened or bad things are happening. For example, North Korea. Why are we still letting people go to North Korea on vacation? Unclear. This feels like it falls into the broader category of like trauma porn disaster porn, Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, we're all just dummies living on the brink of death anyway, so let's fly a little close to the sun. I mean, unrelatable, but yeah, I I understand the ethos you're describing. (laughs) Are you familiar with or have you ever followed those like creepy abandoned Instagram accounts where they post pictures of like all the Olympic stadiums that were built in the last century and are now just like overgrown and look like they're fully haunted? Uh, no, I have enough nightmares by myself. Thank you very much. Okay, so, so that, following those for me, you know, like at It's Abandoned on Instagram, that scratches that itch for me. But if that's not enough, yes, you technically can go to Chernobyl. 
it's totally tech uh, New York Times piece from a, a reporter who went on like a disaster vacation for work, but to Chernobyl and said he, he spotted his guy literally like reading the Wikipedia page for nuclear <laughs> reactor. Oh my God. That really inspires a lot of faith. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they'll walk you around with dosimeters and some places have a dosimeter measures radiation levels. And, you know, some places have very high levels, but an expert who worked on the cleanup told Business Insider that a flight from the United States is likely to give you more radiation than a Chernobyl tour. So you can go if you really want to. Which, of course, means that, of course, TikTok has picked up on this. I mean, this is giving me Logan Paul recording dead bodies in the Japanese forest vibes, to be completely honest. I don't know yeah, why you would want to go to a site of death. But. Singular dead body, but uh, yeah, I completely agree. Allie, please don't book your next vacation to Chernobyl. We can just like go to the beach. It'll be great. Next up, we have a question from at Monty Rogers 907. Hey, Rachel and Madison. Monty up here in Alaska. Quick question for you. On occasion, you guys discuss riffs and intergenerational beatdowns between millennials and Gen Y and boomers, but rarely include Gen Xers. As a Gen Xer, I'm just curious as to why. Thanks. Hello in Alaska. This is so exciting. Our podcast making it making its way across all 50 states. Um, I mean, famously, Gen X tends to be forgotten. I feel like that's the kind of predominant feeling about Gen X. So we do fall into that. I honestly couldn't even really name what Gen X is stereotypically known for. Hating sellouts. Oh, they love the movie Office Space. That's when they beat up the printer with baseball bats, right? There's like a whole thing with a stapler. Yeah, I... I think the reason that me and Madison and the internet writ large kind of leaves Gen X out of the narratives is that boomers became a target of millennials, which is why they're famous. Millennials are extremely online as are Gen Z. And so what I think we're seeing are two very online generations either ganging up on each other or attacking boomers. And because Gen X is not really the target, it's kind of just not important. So I, I kind of feel like you're lucky. You got left out of the stupid intergenerational fights. And if you want to feel like you're in it, one thing I will add is I think, Rachel, I would disagree with you that boomers were made famous by younger generations. I think generationally that era in history like you don't get taught about gen x in a high school history class you do get taught about baby mm. boomers but what i'll add monty if you want to be included is that i think boomer gets sort of watered down using it as an insult or a, a younger generation attacking quote-unquote boomers okay boomering somebody is just code for like okay geezer okay old person who doesn't agree with what i'm saying or get what i'm saying and that that extends well beyond just purely the baby boomer generation as per the exact dates of uh <laughs> birth years also importantly generations are fake they were made to sell pants our final question comes from at MillerJM86. Hi, ICYMI pod. This is Josh. I'm wondering if you can help clarify the difference between shitposting and trolling. To me, those two seem really similar, but I'm sure there's a subtle difference or history that I'm just missing. So what do you think is the difference? 
I would say personally that shit posting hurts no one, but trolling can and historically has. I think that trolling has a target versus shit posting is kind of posting into the void. I don't know if that's the historical definition slash the historical difference between the two, but that's how they operate in my mind. That's how you see it. I think it to me, it's sort of like, you know, how, like all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. Mm-hmm. I think that all shit posting is trolling, but not all trolling is shit posting. Okay. So like shit posting can be joyful, can be funny, can be silly, but ultimately you're making garbage content for the internet. You are, you are inherently trolling the users of the internet who are trying to use it in earnest, in seriousness. But when you reverse it, not all trolling is shitposting because there are people who troll on the internet to literally make death threats, rape threats, to be cruel, to name call, to just say disgusting things. And that's not shitposting. Does that make sense? No, that does. I think that we are saying the same things, but in different words. I would say that, honestly, our entire Twitter feed, besides the promo of our episodes, is mostly shitposting. So if you go to ICYMI underscore pod, you can see some great examples of shitposting. I do think you made a really interesting point of people using the internet in earnest. And I think this is maybe where there's a nuance, which is that no one really uses the internet in earnest anymore. And so I kind of feel like everything is shitposting. Well, maybe earnest is the wrong word. I'm thinking about even when I tweet about work, Mm. when I tweet things I've written or when we tweet the episodes, that to me feels like an earnest use of the internet. Okay. Yes. So I'm I'm meaning less like I am I'm tweeting my like hashtag am feeling sort of <laughs> tweets. Though that falls into the earnest category too. So not all earnest yeah, I can't get there. Uh, although you can shit post your feelings. <laughs> That's true. I hope, Josh, that this shit post of an answer will uh just guide your your future shit posting and possibly trolling endeavors. Just don't troll, just shit post. All right, that is the show. We will be back in your feed on Saturday, so definitely subscribe. It's free and the best way to never miss an episode. Tell your friends about us. Subscribe to us on your friends' phones. Commission a skywriter. Do whatever you need to to get the word out about the gospel of ICYMI. You can also follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like the ones that we answered in this episode. And you can, as always, drop us a note at icymi at slate.com. And if we didn't get to your message this time, it doesn't mean we didn't get it, read it, love it, think about it, dream about it. Uh, We just only had time for so many, but please keep sending us your questions and your thoughts, and uh, maybe we'll, we'll get to you the next time. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader. Our supervising producer is Derek John. Forrest Wickman and Allegra Frank are our editors, and Alicia Montgomery is executive producer of Slate Podcasts. See you online. Or in our inbox. You know how all, (laughs) is it all rectangles are squares, but not all squares are rectangles? Yes. Okay, so. No, it's the opposite. No, 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 sorry. (laughs) For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.